Yes, Lord. Oh, that we need your fire to burn in us once again. Just like that day we got saved. We were so on fire, we wanted to tell everybody and everything. We would have took a brick wall if we could because we were so fired up for you. Return that fire to us. Restore us again. Fan our sparks back to flame. And let us preach the gospel throughout this land, throughout this community. Lord, fan us back to flame again. Burn in us. Let he who has eyes like fire burn in us so that we're not lukewarm any longer, but we'll be red hot, burning red hot for you. And let people see it when they talk with us. Even if we aren't talking about Christianity, let them see there's something different. You're burning with a different fire. You're seeing things that I don't see. You know things that I don't know. You're headed where I can't go. Burn in us, Lord, once again. And take out that dross. The dross needs to be removed by repentance so that the flame can once again burn before the dross snuffs it out. And as the song says, bring forth the gold of our lives. Bring forth the gold. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, everyone. For those of you that just tuned in on uh, on streaming, wherever it is, I don't know what call half of the things. I don't really care, just as long as you get the message. Anyway, you're listening to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. If you're local, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road, just a quarter mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo. And, um, and you can get off. That's the last exit in Boynton Beach. Actually, High Paluxo is the borderline of North Boynton Beach Boulevard, north, north of Boynton Beach, and Lantana is the north side of High Paluxo. So we're across the street from Boynton Beach. So come on by. If you're local, we're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. We're also here every, every Thursday night at 7.15 and we do uh, inductive studies. How can I say? We, we, we dig deep into the Word of God. So if you want to be a shallow Christian, you can waddle in the puddles. If you want to dig, swim deep for the gems that are down at the bottom, the pearls and the clams and the oysters, then, then you, can, you can dig in with us as we study the Word of God. I mentioned earlier that we spent, uh, we went through 50 chapters of Genesis just recently. You realize that took us over a year to do. Uh, we studied and stayed at it. And there were special occasions in there where we might have had a special message or a special speaker. But, you know, we, we dig in. And you're going to see some things today. I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 22 a little while later as we, as we go through this message. This is probably, I don't know, sixth, maybe even seventh week in the book of Matthew. And hopefully I'll get to the end of it today. And I was showing you you know, who Jesus is in, in the gospel and why Jesus and why Matthew put these 12 miracles right straight in a row. Chapter 8 has 6, chapter 9 has 6 more, and chapter 10 is, I think there's even a couple more. But Jesus was saying this. I told you that um, a miracle is, is a supernatural activity that demonstrates a, fam a spiritual truth. A miracle, and Jesus did 12 in these two chapters, right? A, a, a miracle is a supernatural activity that will demonstrate or reveal a spiritual truth. I'm going to run through them real quick from chapter 8 to 9. I titled this message, Faith Worthy of Notice. And some of these people had faith, well, all of them had faith worthy of notice. But our typical today is the two blind men in Matthew chapter um, chapter 9. I want you to remember this because Jesus was healing people. He healed the leper, remember. He proved to you right there that he is Jehovah Rophe, our healer. He touched the leper, full of leprosy, and healed him right before everybody's eyes. He is Jehovah Rophe, our healer. He demonstrated that he is there 
to the centurion's servant who was dying at home. The centurion said, come to my house and my servant we will be healed if you just come. Well, Jesus didn't even make it to the house because the woman interrupted him. You know, had the issue of blood and, and he got tied up. And then he never made it to the house, but the girl was healed while Jesus wasn't even there. He's Jehovah Shammah, the God who's there, whether he's not there. He's, you know what? He's here today, but he's also at the church down the street. You know, he's there even though physical presence isn't there. Jesus' physical presence wasn't in the centurion's house when the servant of his was raised. He was there anyhow. He demonstrated his Jehovah Nisi by the victory banner. He had healing Peter's mother-in-law of a great fever. He's, he proved himself as, as Jehovah Rophe, our shepherd, when all the people wanted to follow him, that he healed. And he told them, you know, the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He demonstrated he's the shepherd. These people wanted to follow him. And even today, he demonstrates that because he is our shepherd and we follow him. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me by the still water. He is our shepherd. Jesus is showing them he's, a, he's our she their shepherd. He demonstrated himself as Jehovah Shalom, our peace, when he was in the boat with the disciples and the storm raged and he was sleeping in the back of the boat. And, and he come, he, they woke him up, five fishermen, scared to death of, uh, of being wrecked in the sea, and they woke Jesus up, a carpenter. Come on. They knew something was different about this guy. So what did they do? Jesus got up. He said, oh, you of little faith. He said, be still, and even the wind and the seas obeyed him. He's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of our peace. He's Jehovah Makadesh, as he showed us he is our sanctifier, as he cleansed the demoniac. And there was two demoniacs. Remember, the legion was one of them. Okay, he, he demonstrated he's their sanctifier because he cleansed them, and they stood there, sat there in their right minds after the demons were cast out. He demonstrated his Jehovah, the Sid canoe, our righteousness, because the paralytic was lowered through the roof, and he came down and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. He's our, he's our, our, sanct our righteousness. His, this guy that was a sinner laying in this cot when the four friends brought him down, he told him, your sins are forgiven, and he healed them of the same. He demonstrated he is our righteousness. So if you come to Jesus, in his righteousness will be given to you. He who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 521. He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin, Jesus, that we might become, us, might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is a, what is a miracle? A miracle demonstrates a spiritual truth. That demonstrates and reveals a spiritual truth. Jesus is Jehovah, Jehovah, our righteousness, Jehovah Sidkenu. He demonstrated that he is Jehovah Alroy because he's the God who sees into man's heart. The Pharisees were saying, what? What do you mean? How can this guy forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus, they didn't mention it. Jesus just knew it was in their heart. So what did he say? He says he's Jehovah Alroy, the God who sees into man's heart. Come on. This, Jesus Christ is the Lord. There's no doubt about it. When you close your eyes in death, he's going to be Lord. When you close your eyes tonight, when you go to sleep, he's still going to be Lord. A thousand years from tonight, he's going to be Lord. He's the God who sees. And then he rebuked the unbelieving spirit, the unbelieving scribes by saying that. They didn't say it out loud. It was in their hearts. They knew it. They, he, they were, he was demonstrated to them. He was the God who sees into their heart. He demonstrated himself as Al Shaddai, God Almighty, when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. God is so mighty, he can raise the dead. I know people here that, that saw people raised from the dead and even had part in it. But they didn't do it. Let me tell you something. They did not do it. It was God that did it. And he happened to use an imbecile sometimes like me or you. 
because we're his hands and his feet in this world. He could have assigned the preaching of the gospel over to the angels who would have did a lot better job than a man. But he didn't. He's counting on you and he's counting on me to get the message out to our families, to our county, to our cities, you name it. He's out shall die. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. We saw him last week as the arm of the Lord called the branch of David. We saw him heal people. He's, he's the arm of the Lord. He's the branch of David that was going to come. And he was God at work on earth. Today we're going to see him as the son of David, which is a, a messianic title. We have many messianic verses in the Bible. Let me see if I got one marked here. That's Jeremiah. We're going to Jeremiah or Isaiah uh, 35. Isaiah 35 and verse uh, 4 to 6. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. What do you think that fellow that was lowered through the roof, the paralytic, when he came down before Jesus, and Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven, he didn't walk away right away until the scribe said, how can he, feel, how can he, how can he uh, forgive sins on earth? And Jesus said, so that you would know that the Son of Man has, has authority to forgive sins on earth. I said that. Then he said to the man, take up your bed and walk. He got out of the bed and walked home. And do you think he was leaping like a deer? I'll bet you he was. How about that lame man at the gate, beautiful in Acts when Peter and John walked up and he was begging for alms. And Peter said, hey, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he did. And he leaped and jumped for joy. That's what this passage is saying in Isaiah chapter 35. Wow, he's the son of David. Isaiah 61 talks about Messiah. And you, you, probably, you will know all these things probably if you've been in, in church very long. Even Luke repeats it in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Here's with Jesus when he came onto the scene and he began his ministry. He said he took a scroll as he was in the, in the sanctuary and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings, the Bible, to the poor, to he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort you who mourn, to counsel those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees or oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And all these people that were healed here, I have a feeling they fell into chapter 4, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. He told the blind man, hey, go show yourself. He told the leper, go show yourself to the priest. He told the demoniacs, you know, you can't follow me. Go tell your city. Some people, he said, don't tell anybody. These two blind men we're going to see today, Jesus said, don't go telling anybody. Listen, if you were blind, and then you could once see, and even though Jesus himself said, don't tell anybody, how could you contain it? I think Jesus knew that, because he's God. I mean, if I know that, he certainly can know that. He knew that. He knew that these guys weren't going to proclaim. He were going to go out and proclaim. But, what, but imagine if he didn't say that, how many more people? And he said that because... You know, he wanted to get closer to the city so more people would be healed and come out and listen to the message. But because he was getting so famous so fast, the crowds were going to him. He couldn't even enter the cities anymore. He had to teach in the country, and that's why he fed the 4,000 and the 5,000. 
So verse 27 of chapter 9 of Matthew, go back to Matthew if you were following me at, at all, and we're going to read verses 27 through, 20, through the end of the chapter, which is 38, I believe. Remember, the name of this message is Faith Worthy of Notice. We, too, can have faith worthy of notice. But guess what? It's going to take faith. You get that? You can have faith worth noting, but it's going to take faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the essence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means you don't see it, but it's real. When Jesus departed, let me you know, go to the Bible and read. And the report of Jesus went out into all the land, the report that he raised the little girl from the dead, which we studied last week. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. When, and when he had come into the house, most likely Matthew's house again, okay, as we found out that last week according to the Scripture, Okay, when they came into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. You notice there's no hesitation there. Yes, Lord. Hesitation spells doubt. And this guy, these guys had no, no uh, hesitation, nor did the woman that touched the hem of his garment nor did the centurion, nor did the leper. They had no doubt. It's going to take faith. Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that you tell no one it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all the country. And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen in Israel like this. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. They don't have any faith. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray, the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into the harvest. Notice that these guys come up to him and say, Son of David. Son of David, a messianic term. He, and they said, Have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. That's a messianic title. How did they know it? How did they know Jesus was the son of David? See, it was well known. Even the scribes and Pharisees knew it. But they were still looking for reasons to keep the old wineskins that we just talked about before communion, which unfortunately you was online I didn't get to see. I explained it very well, and I don't have another 15 minutes. The two blind men have better sight than these Pharisees and scribes. Do you realize that? They have spiritual sight. They can see Messiah even though they can't literally see him. That's what you and I should, you know, we should be able to see Messiah even though we don't literally see him right here. You know, I've said to the Lord many times over the last 40, 45 years, you know, I said, Lord, I'd like to see you. And then I'd say, forget that, Lord, because blessed is he who has not seen and yet believes. So I'll say, don't, no, don't show yourself to me because I know you're there. But you're curious. These blind men have better sight than the scribes and the Pharisees, who, by the way, are the religious leaders in Israel. They're blind. They couldn't see the Messiah. But these guys could see the Messiah 
because they were waiting for the son of David. They knew Jesus was the son of David. We just read it. Nothing like this was done in Israel like it was done before. Nothing. When Jesus showed up, things changed. When he walked into the room, things changed. When he comes into a church, it livens up. It's like a boss when he comes into work. Everybody gets ready and starts working. You know, if Jesus was, was here, boom, these churches would liven up. And he is here, but they forget. They forget to look spiritually. You're on this side of the fence now, not that side yet. Someday God's going to graduate us all short of the rapture, and we're going to go across that river, and we're going to see the Lord face to face. Short of uh, the rapture, he, these guy, blind guys knew this is the long-awaited Messiah. The scribes and the Pharisees, they wanted to be freed from Rome, Rome's tyranny, and the tyranny of, of, of Alexander the Great before that and the tyranny of Syria before that, and the tyranny of Assyria before that, and the tyranny of Babylon before that. They want, they were slaves for years. They wanted free. They figured a Messiah is going to come. He's going to have a bazooka with him, and he's just going to blow everybody up that don't believe. No. They were, they were waiting for somebody with a, with, a, with a sword in his hand and riding a white stallion, which the Bible talks about. But it, it's not this time. It's at the end time second coming, which they missed. He's the long-awaited Messiah, these blind men see. But these Pharisees do not see, and they don't even care. They don't care that Jesus just healed two blind men. Come on. Listen, if we had blind people in this church and, and the Lord healed them right here, I mean, that's noteworthy. I wouldn't say, oh, man, he did it because he, he did it through the demons. A chief of the demons. Come on. Come on. There's going to come a time in Revelation when actually the devil, the Antichrist, is going to fool many people by healing them. But we aren't in that time yet, so you don't have to worry about it. It's been proven. Jesus Christ is Lord. 365 prophecies, as I always say, were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and absolutely no one that has ever lived could fulfill them except one man. His name was Jesus Christ. Actually, Christ is Greek for Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah. What God says about Messiah is listed in, in uh, Isaiah 43, verse 11. I'll read it to you. Isaiah 43, verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Besides me there is no Savior. Kind of like Jesus. I, I am the resurrection and the life. You can see the, the, the God talks the same way. God the Father talking the same way. I, even I am the Lord. I am. I, I am the resurrection and the life. I, I am the light of the world. I, I am the door. Listen. In other words, God would be the Messiah, and he would save us from our sins. Verse 28, after he had came into the house... The blind man came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. Let me ask you, do you believe it? Do you believe it? I'm going to confess, right? Sometimes people come up to the altar, and I pray for them, and sometimes I say, uh, And right there's doubt. And I blew it. And I blew it. But you know what? I'm comfortable with that because you blew it too. And I know that. I might have had more opportunities. I should learn faster. Yes, Lord. Remember, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 18. When I return, will I find faith on the earth? But yet I see even ministry saying, oh, God doesn't heal today. You know what? When Jesus comes back, that church is going to be rebuked because he did not find faith. Or unless Jesus is talking about faith to believe. 
and he's talking. They do believe because they do believe, but they have faith to go beyond that. You know what? You ever you know a guy named Dyke? I'll tell you what. I got a, a Bible. Or what did I say? A commentary Bible that thick, and it's it's like almost as big as this Bible here. It's bigger than that Bible right there. And I, 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 some, some, one of the fellows in the men's group gave me this Bible. This Bible's worth a couple hundred bucks. And it's a great commentary. And Dyke lived like 1890 to 1985. He spent his entire life in this book. And he's got, you know, columns of the scriptures. And then practically for every verse, he's got a, a comment on a certain work. It may be Greek, it may be Hebrew, whatever it is. Here's what Dyke says about the law of faith. The law of faith consists of Matthew 3, 8, 8, 13. Go your way, and as you believe, let it be done to the centurion. That's what Dyke said. Go your way, and as you believe. Obviously, this guy believed because his centurion's servant was healed, and Jesus wasn't even there. The law of faith consists of Matthew 29, 29. Right here where we're at today. According to your faith, he said to the blind man, be it done to you. And the two blind men didn't see men as trees. They had enough faith to see men as men, and mountains as mountains. They had faith. This is a law of faith. James 1, chapter 5. I'm going to turn to James. James, chapter 1, and verse 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, listen, without doubting. I just admitted that when I pray for people up front, I doubt sometimes. Some of those people I might have prayed for two dozen times. Without doubt. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. This is a law of faith. We can't doubt. And let's go Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible. You want to please God, you have to have faith, not only to be saved, but to be healed. But if your number's up, you're going. I'm sorry. God already knows the days of our lives. So you can pray to your blue in the face, jump up and down, fast two weeks in a row. If your number's up, because God has the number of our days, and that's set. Remember Hezekiah prayed for more years? He was, he went, uh, when Isaiah, I believe it was, told him that you, you know, set your house in order or you're going to die. Isaiah, uh, King Hezekiah went into the corner, cried like a baby and called out to God, God, I've been a good king for you. Why, why am I going home? And by the time Isaiah got halfway through the courtyard, the Lord turned him around and said, go back to King Hezekiah and tell him I just added 15 more years to your life. Uh, he served the Lord great. But in that 15 years, 13 years of it, his son Manasseh was, was, was born, and Manasseh became the king, and he was an evil king. He might have cut his own throat with that prayer. I don't know. But Manasseh did turn back to the Lord, and like he reigned for 54 years, I believe, and he turned back to the Lord around the 52nd year and undid everything that he did. He tore down the idols and all that stuff. He can, you can pray. Without faith, he had faith, obviously, because God gave it to him, and his number obviously wasn't up unless God moved that day, which I doubt. Then we got the law of faith, which consists of Mark eleven twenty two. I quote this all the time because it's important. My job is to have not only to instill faith of salvation to you, but faith in God all the way around, in life, in death, in sickness, in health, and you know what? I get blasted maybe by a lot of other Christians. I don't know. But I don't care. I'm working towards having faith that I can lay hands on a dead person or a blind person and they will be healed. 
And as long as I think that way, I can have more of a chance of them being healed than you who says you don't have faith to believe that. Mark 11, 22, 23, believe in God. If you say to this mountain, you say, not God say, God move this mountain. No, he said, you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea. And if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you said or prayed will happen, then God will grant it to you. So what do you do with this law of faith? These laws of faith that are written in the Bible. You just throw them out like they're not there? No. You've got to have faith to believe. You believe for salvation. Why can't you believe for healing? I've seen people healed. I've seen a lot more not healed. I thank God. I'll tell you something. When me and Liz were engaged, you know she was in a wheelchair? She was a walker in a wheelchair. You see her need a walker in a wheelchair now? It's been 17, 18 years. But she's not completely. The Lord told her, I'm going to heal you in my time. And over that time, she got out of the walker, she got out of the wheelchair, and now she's dancing up front praising the Lord. But she has her good and bad days. So are you going to tell me I'm not going to believe by faith? I've seen it. Luke chapter 18. Verse 1 through 8. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Now Jesus is talking. He's going to give you a parable. Saying, there was a certain in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in the city, and she came to him saying, Get me justice from, from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this woman troubles me or bothers me, I will avenge her lest her continual coming she wear me out. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust said, unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him night and day, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really Will he really find faith on the earth? Tell you what, if the Lord came today, I don't think the faith would be, uh, it would be disgrace to him. My job and every pastor's job is to increase your faith, not only to be saved, but to be healed, to be delivered. I've seen many people delivered. God delivered them. I didn't. I was involved in it. I've seen people that were gay turn normal. I've seen them marry and have families, not just one or two, but many. God delivered them. I've seen people delivered from drugs and alcohol. I've seen people that weren't delivered. But I'll tell you what, it's more likely they get delivered with a, a believing group of people that pray and believe. You've got to keep on pestering God. Keep on pestering him, even though, even though it, like I said, I laid hands on people, hundreds of people, and and very few of them got saved. But you still got to believe. You know, one guy said to me, we was over at another church, and I was up front for prayer request, and I started. His marriage was failing, and all of a sudden, he stopped. He says, "There's a hand on your shoulder." I wasn't my hand. My hands were on him. And he says, we're on, on down. I said, he saw a hand on my shoulder. I mean, that was enough to increase your faith. Next thing you know, his wife and him got together, and they serve in another church in this area, and I know them. Now, I'm going back 15 years on this. 
next 15 years because God does deliver. Not just from your sins, but from even, even from strongholds that are demonic, strongholds that, that are, are, are alcoholic, strongholds that are drug-related or sex-related or homosexually crea- uh, created. God does it, but you have to have faith. These two blind men had faith that was to be noticed. And all the other ones that I just ha- talked about earlier in this, the leper, the ser- centurion, the servant, Jairus's, Jairus had to have faith, and his wife. All these people had to have faith. It's faith to take notice of. They didn't doubt. They walked right up to Jesus. They saw him face to face. They knew he was the Son of God. They knew that he was the Messiah, the Messianic line. But they believed. They saw him. We don't see him, but we have the written word of God where we see it's true. These three chapters that we're in, Matthew chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, there's two and a half chapters where nobody else is talking but Jesus. This is God's word, and it's true. If you say that God doesn't heal, you're fighting against the scriptures that say he does heal. You know, Isaiah says the, you know, that by his stripes on his back, we would be healed. And Peter tells us that by his stripes, we were healed. So that means from, from Peter's time to, to the future, from Peter's time back to Jesus' being whipped with the, with the cat of nine tail, that means the healing is provided for us. If you say, Joe's nuts, listen, probably don't lay your hands on somebody and pray for them because you're, you don't have enough faith. I'm going to tell you that because I want to increase your faith. But there's other things that go along with this. There's unforgiveness. You better be. I mean, I don't want you to say, Pastor Joe says I don't have enough faith. No, I'm telling you there's other things that go along with it. If you don't, if you're unforgiving towards somebody, you know, that's another one. If you're non-repentant, you know, these are, these are things that have to be done. It's not just faith. It's, it's other things involved. The faith of these two blind men is worthy of notice. They had faith to follow Jesus. They followed him. They followed him to Matthew's house. They went into Matthew's house. Well, do you have faith to follow Jesus? That's salvation, which I know. I look around the room. I know you all, and and I don't think any of you aren't saved. I know. I believe you are saved, but only God knows for sure. But do you have faith to follow Jesus? Because I look around, and I see everybody here, and you're all following Jesus. They had faith to cry out. Do you have faith to cry out? you got a boil on your hand. Cry out to God. You, you have a headache. Cry out to God first. You can do that way before you can get onto the telephone and dial your doctor. So you have no excuse to not go to him first, especially today. They had faith to cry out. Well, you cry out when you're, when you're feeling bad. They had faith to make noise. They weren't afraid to cry out loudly. They were afraid. It wasn't, you know, are you afraid to cry out to God? Oh, God, he doesn't need, I don't need to bother God. He's way too busy. I've heard people say that to me. Do you believe that? He don't want to bother with my little problem. That's just a way of saying I don't believe in God. I don't believe enough in God. What can I say? Afraid? They're afraid to be embarrassed if they make noise? They're afraid to raise their hands in church or even dance? I don't know if you, you know this, but I love it when people come up front and dance. I, I do. But a lot of people over the Internet or even here might say, oh, that's, that's, not, that's, that's not good. I love it. You're dancing before the Lord. I can't dance a lick. Someday when I get to heaven, I hope I can dance. If a couple of you ladies wanted to grab, you know, wanted to come up and dance for the Lord every service while we're singing praise, I'll get you some banners you can wave around, you know. I see them in churches. I love it. You're not afraid to cry out to God. You raise your hands and you sing along. And remember, everybody thinks, I told you many times, 
probably about three times this month, you know, people raise their hand. They think they're the holy ones. No, there's, there's people that are raising their hands and saying, Daddy, pick me up. I'm down right now. Pick me up, Daddy, like a little child would do. And Jesus told us to come to him like a little child. And if you don't, you won't, you won't see the kingdom of God. So they had faith to follow. They had faith to cry out. They had faith to make, make noise. They had faith to identify Jesus before everybody, even the scribes and the Pharisees. They identified him. They said, Son of David, have mercy on us. In other words, forgive my sin. Son of David. They knew that he was a long-awaited Messiah, and you can find more scriptures on he, what he did that day. The deaf will hear the words of a book and, and cry out in their gloom and darkness, and the eyes of the blind will see, and the afflicted shall increase in their gladness in the Lord, and the needy of mankind will rejoice. You know who's rejoicing here now? Not the rich scribes and Pharisees. It's the poor people. He attracted the poor people like you, like you wouldn't believe. We know from other scriptures that, you know, he was going to be born as a virgin. He was going to be born in, I mean, born of a virgin. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. He was going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. He was, the people in darkness, us Gentiles, would see a great light. He would spend time in Egypt. And there's 365 of those prophecies, only one man. Simeon knew it whenever Joseph and Mary took Jesus to be dedicated to the Lord and circumcised the eighth day. Simeon and Anna in the temple knew this. This baby was a Messiah. They, you know what? They were willing to, to get rid of their old thoughts of a conquering king on a white stallion with a sword. And they looked on and the Lord spoke to them, This is the Messiah? This is the Messiah? Yes. And they rejoiced and blessed him. These men also had faith to ask for mercy, knowing that they didn't deserve mercy. Neither do us. Neither do you and I. We don't deserve God's mercy because we're wretched, disgusting men. You people sing it all the time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Believe me. They had the faith to believe. Do you have faith to believe in healing? They had faith to believe in healing. I don't know if the, the, the scriptures don't say whether they were born blind or they went blind. The point is they had faith to see. And he, he prayed for them and they saw. And they saw perfectly. No men like trees. It was done according to their faith. So it's going to be done unto you according to your faith. If you don't believe God can, can heal multiple sclerosis, then he's not going to be able to heal. He's not going to, you're not going to have enough faith to proclaim that, and more than likely that person won't be healed. Listen, let's face it. The church, you and I, we all need more faith. So, not only has Jesus been identified as the Messiah, the son of David, but he's, he's seen here because a miracle means demonstrates a spiritual truth, okay, that, and IDs him. And here's what it IDs. He's Jehovah Jireh. He provides sight to the blind, the physical blind, and the spiritually blind. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. He is their provider, and he provided these two blind men with spiritual sight. But the scribes and the Pharisees were too blind. Genesis chapter 22, one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible. A picture of what God's going to do. Genesis 22. You know what it is, right? If you don't, I suggest you memorize this verse. The eighth verse of Genesis chapter 22. Let me give you a story real quick. Abraham is taking his son Isaac to a mountain range 
where God told him to sacrifice him to the Lord. So they're walking up the mountain. Isaac's got the wood. Jesus carried the wood of the cross. They had the fire. Isaac turns to Daddy and he says, Dad, we have the wood for the fire. We have the fire, wood, we have the wood, for the, and we have the fire, but where is the sacrifice? And in the eighth verse, you can only find it mainly in the King James Bible, which this is not, but I'll read it, I'll quote it to you. In the eighth verse, here's what Abraham answers. Then Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. You know what that says? It's not going to be Isaac that sacrificed. It's going to be the ram, the lamb, the ram of God that's going to take away the sins of the world. Abraham is prophesying here. He says, he says, God will provide himself the sacrifice. What a great God we have. What a great God. I'm sorry, I'm over time. You want to quit? A few more minutes. God will provide himself the sacrifice. These guys know it. He's the sacrifice. It's going to happen. He's Jehovah Jireh. And now, right before their very eyes, is the walking lamb of God that's going to take away the sins of the world. The Lord is providing and they got to tell somebody. The Jews in the desert, he touched them. First of all, verse 29, he touched their eyes, saying, Be it done unto you according to your faith. There is much faith here. There is much faith that is never received because it is never grasped for. You've got to grasp it. Somebody tells you, God ain't going to heal that blind person. You say, Would you go away, please? Because I believe that God can do it. And you know what? He might not do it, and they might say, see, I told you so. But then again, you are more likely to see a miracle than that person. I want to see miracles. I know about you, and I've seen many of them. Their faith, they, they couldn't believe. They, they limited the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 78, 41 through 43. Again and again, when they came out of Egypt, God delivered them from the, from, through the through the for the Red Sea, he delivered them from the bloody water, the frogs, the lice, the flies, the sick cattle, the boils, the fire, and the hail, the locusts, and the darkness. And he even delivered them from their firstborn being killed. And they're going through the desert. God gives them quail from heaven. He gives them manna to eat. He gives them water from a rock. And they, here's what they say, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They were tempting God. You're tempting God if you don't believe. I know that's a hard statement, but accept it. You're tempting God. God wants you to believe. You've seen miracles. Your one miracle was you were lost and now you're found. They did not remember His power. And you may not remember his power if you're saying that. The day that he redeemed them from the enemy when he worked the signs in Egypt. Listen, without faith, it will cost you. Unanswered prayer, it will cost you, you know, maybe healing of your families because you can pray for your family. Your, their families are sanctified by your faith, set apart. Believe me, me and Liz are struggling with that right now, but I know a lot of you are with our children. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See here that no one knows about this. The Lord changed the healing and healed the leper. He said the same thing. And when he, when he charged the men, don't tell anybody, And he charged the demoniacs to go, and then he charged the demoniacs to go and tell everybody. But you realize, in this demoniac, he was in a Gentile area. So most likely, the demoniac was a Gentile. And the Gentile was to go into his city and preach about what great things God did for him. 
So Jesus is operating in Israel for the most part, even though there are unbelievers following him and Gentiles. But with a demoniac was healed on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, which was predominantly a Gentile area. And he wanted them to go tell everything about the God of Israel that was healing them. And they departed and f- spread his fame in all the country. They couldn't hold it back. There's a song out there written by, uh, I forget, what's his name? Um, uh, anyway, I know his name. Years ago, he says, I got to tell somebody. I just got to tell somebody. And these guys couldn't contain it. So they not only told somebody, they told everybody. How about us? Can we tell everybody about our God? Uh, we have family members in our family who won't even talk to us because of who we are in Christ. You know what? I'm sorry, but I love Jesus too much to deny him. And you know what? If they deny him, that's their own fault. And I love them, love them dearly, but this is the blood of God that we, we took communion today. Jesus' blood wasn't ordinary blood. It was the blood of Almighty God. And Hebrews, I'm going to end here because I could go on, but I'm not. I'm going to end with Hebrews 10 and verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and has insulted the Spirit of grace? Thank God you and I aren't there. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's close in prayer. For any of you out there, if you're insulting the word, the, the blood of Almighty God, insulting the, the Holy Spirit, you need to get on your knees. Or you can stand up, but with all your heart. Jesus, forgive me. I, I repent of my sin. Come into my heart and make me the person you want me to be. And that's all you got to do, but you got to do it with this and not this. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your word here today. Your word, as I always say, so beautiful. And we know your word is Jesus because he is the word of God made flesh, and that makes Jesus beautiful to us. And because Jesus is beautiful to us, you see us as beautiful in Christ Jesus. And we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, Father, drive this message home to our hearts. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you.